Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Keith Craft. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. I'm honored. I'm honored to be speaking this weekend, and I, I am truly grateful for our senior pastors, Pastor Keith and Pastor Sheila. And uh, I'm glad we put the house rules up, and I'll just go ahead and say, I'm sorry. So <laughs> I'm going to do my best, but I've been crying like the last two services because my heart is filled with gratitude. It's amazing that we are in this last service of the year, uh, the early morning service. We have one more tonight at six, but it's amazing to see how far God has brought us. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that moment on the side of the church that God spoke to my pastor before I knew I was going to work for him, God spoke to me and Krista. We, were, we weren't really struggling, but we weren't really having, uh, not in our marriage, but then in our ministry, it really wasn't popping and things weren't really connecting. And he came out. He had no business to come out and talk to us. We're sitting underneath there talking to somebody else. And he comes out and he gives this word to us. And immediately my wife begins to cry in the suburban that we're in. I'm like trying to hold it together thinking maybe he's thinking we've got some issues, (laughs) you know, and she's bawling and he's giving this word and he said, Jeremy, the thing is never about the thing, but everything's about everything. And what I didn't really understand at that moment that God had put some plans together before I even knew they were going to be plans, that God had saw it fit for me to be here before I even knew that it was possible to be here, even though I had a desire to be here because we relocated back here four years ago. And I'm honored and grateful that I get to sit underneath this pastor, this father, spiritual father. I'm grateful for Pastor Keith and Pastor Sheila for everything they've done for me and my family. I've got two boys that are now in this house that their thought processes and and the way they're thinking has gone from this level to this level in just a matter of four years. I'm grateful that when we come to this place that we are challenged and encouraged to think differently so our life can be differently. I'm grateful that we're hearing from this stage every weekend when Pastor Keith and Pastor Sheila get up here or Pastor Josh and they'll say, you can live life by design or you can live life by default. Uh, No one says that. People don't preach that. That's not the normal Sunday morning message or the church abroad. It's a message that challenges us to be blessed. I'm grateful that we have a pastor that encourages us to be blessed. I'm grateful that we don't have to live in, in a state of poverty, maybe spiritually, physically, mentally, socially, but he encourages us. And so I'm honored, Pastor. I love you with all my heart, and I'm truly grateful for both of you. And I can't express it enough. I don't have the words to put together or comprehend. There was a season of my life a few years ago. I celebrated 22 years of ministry this last June. I know you can't believe I look young. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't think a place like this ever existed. And I'm grateful that he calls me a son of the house because that's exactly what my desire is to be a son of this house. My desire is that God would use each and every one of us, that God would use our life to bring him glory. And I'm grateful that I get to sit here every single weekend, lead a group of young people, pour into them what I'm getting poured into, and I get to be a part of a a next-gen area. And and, and again, it's not just because it's a a platform. I I will do anything. I want to be the kind of guy that he can call on 
that if he needs his grass cut, I'll cut his grass. I want to be the kind of guy that he says, hey, Jeremy, we've, we've got some things that we need to get done in the church. Would you mind help? Yes, sir, I'm on my way. I, I want to be that kind of man in life that somebody can really count on no matter what season of life it is. And so I want to just talk to you just for a moment about being a ladder holder for God's kingdom. You say, what is a ladder holder? A, a ladder holder is someone that bridges the gap from here to there for somebody else. The, the big thought of the message is this. You'll never exhaust your potential in life by helping someone else succeed. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense because a lot of people think, hey, man, it's about me. But the, the reality is, and the Bible says in Acts chapter 20, verse 25, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And a lot of times when you're younger, you don't understand that. But when you get older, it starts really kind of, I, I guess, coming together for most people. I, I just turned 42, and, and I, know, I know you can't tell, but I'm 42. I, you know, I... I I can't believe I'm 42 because I feel like I'm too cool to be 42, you know what I'm saying? But I'm 42 and I'm thinking, something just clicked in my 40s. And Pastor actually prophesied over me or he spoke a word over me that when you're 40, you're going to get it like you never got it before. And all of a sudden something clicked. I realized that I, I, I feel more fulfilled by giving out than receiving. I feel more fulfilled by helping someone else in life than me helping myself when, it, when, it, when I need help. And I can't explain it to you, uh, but I, I, I can try to put it together the very best of my ability this morning. I believe with all my heart, God is looking for us to give our life away. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, it says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, I'm not living just to take up space, just to exist, just to be a part of the living and then you die and then people say a few things over your grave and it's over and then you step into eternity, one of two places, either heaven or hell. No, I'm living with a reason and purpose. God stepped out of heaven, sent his very best gift to me, which I received, which saved my life, which redeemed me, pulled me out of hell, so therefore I give him everything. I'm going to give him my complete life for the rest of my natural born life. And so what does that look like? It, it, it really looks like following the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20. There's two verses there. Jesus said, therefore go into all the world, all the nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he, and he said in verse 20, uh, lo, I will be with you always. I, I, I want you to go and share the gospel of Jesus. I want you to go and tell others about the great gift that you've received. You know, this year we've received a lot of gifts, but I think the greatest gift that we've ever been given is the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus Christ. It's the gift that does keep on giving. You know, Christmas is over. The boys opened up their stuff and they celebrated and they high five mom and dad and say, thank you so much. You, you didn't have to do it. And, and they got all the gifts from, you know, grandma and grandpa and whatever. But here's the deal. A lot of the gifts they got, guess what they're at? They're already in their closet. They're already pushed to the side. But we have a gift on the inside of us. It's called the gift of Jesus Christ. That's a gift that does keep on giving. And we have the world's Pro, we have the answers to the world's problems. And I'm just telling you something. God is looking for us to be ladder holders. Someone that will hold the ladder. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that someone held the ladder for me. I'm grateful even right now, my pastor, Pastor Keith and Pastor Sheila, you know what they're doing for me as a man? You know what they're doing for me as a father? You know what they're doing for me as a pastor? They're holding the ladder for me. They're saying, Jeremy, just like even this weekend, Jeremy, I want you to speak this weekend. Well, pastor, are you going to be here? I didn't know he was going to be here. I thought he was going to be out of town preaching somewhere else. No, I'm going to be here. So it's a little bit different right now. I'm a little nervous. So he's sitting on the front row. My pastor, my spiritual father, the guy I look up to is sitting right down there. I'm speaking. 
speaking. I'm not as articulate as him. I, I, I don't have the gifts and the talents. But you know what he's doing? Both of them. They're saying, hey, they've encouraged me every message. Hey, man, you got it. And they're holding the ladder for me. They're holding the ladder so that I can climb. And guess what I'm doing in return? I'm holding the ladder for the next generation, the next guy, the next girl. Hey, you got this. Keep going. Don't give up. You're going to make it. All you got to do is hold on. All you got to do is keep believing. And I think sometimes we look at this and we think, I don't want to be a ladder holder. But that's what God's called us to do. God's called us to hold the ladder for somebody else. I think so many times we want to take the elevator and skip the stairs. But if you do that in the process, you miss a lot of different things that can happen in your life. You miss a lot of different things that God can do when you serve somebody else. Do you know when you serve in this house, you're a ladder holder? When you serve someone in need, you're a ladder holder. When you're giving an offering to what you're doing, you're a ladder holder. When you're saying, hey, I'm going to believe in the pledge. I'm going to give to the dream. I'm a ladder holder. I'm going to do what I can with what I got. I'm not going to sit there and sit back and not do anything because God has not called us just to exist, but he's called us to live. He's called us to live. And I, there was one time I was with a guy and... Uh, he was a minister and he was feel like giving up. Did you know that 1,500 people every single month that are in full-time ministry walk away? 1,500 people that are in full-time ministry. That means this is their, this is, this is their, their job. This is, this is what they get paid to do. They walk away from the ministry. 1,500 people a month. I was thinking there was a guy that called me, and he said, hey, man, I just feel like my season's up. I got 20 years. I did everything I can. Everything is not going the way I thought it was going to go and, and all this. And I said, here's the deal. I, and, I, and I was talking to him. And he's a pastor of a small church. And I was talking to him, and I said, here's the deal. If you walk away... You're walking away from somebody that's counting on you to hold that ladder. If you throw the towel in right now, it's, it's, what, it's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to walk away. He wants you to give up. He wants you to throw the towel. But I'm telling you, there's a church, and whether you feel celebrated or not, that church needs you to hold that ladder. That church needs you to be faithful. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I thank God that he counted me faithful to put me in the ministry. I thank God you're in the ministry. Whether you know that or not, you're in the ministry. You're in the ministry of helps. You're in, you're in the ministry of reconciliation. You're in the ministry of, of restoring people's lives back together. You're in the ministry. And when we let go of the ladder, guess what? We let go of the people that are holding on to the ladder, that are climbing the ladder. And we can't give up. It, it reminds me of the story of a guy named Larry Walters. This is many years ago. He had this idea. He was sitting on his back porch, and he, he had this idea. He says, I'm going to go down to the military store, uh, surplus store, and I'm going to buy some military-grade weather balloons. And so he bought 45 military-grade weather balloons. And he filled them up with helium, and he tied them to a lawn chair. And he thought to himself, I'm going to see my neighborhood from a different aerial view. And what he did was he, 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 he got in that chair, and he let go of the weights. He took a little BB gun to, to shoot the balloons. When he got too high, he could come back down to the ground. He grabbed some snacks, and he thought to himself that he would be around 1,100 feet in the air. Well, as he took off, he realized very quickly that it was going to be a lot higher than 1,100 feet. He ended up getting to about 15,000 feet in the air. And he was in Hollywood. It shut down LAX airport for eight hours. Incoming flights, flights going out. It shut literally down the airport. And he saw a whole different view than he wanted to see. Uh, and all of a sudden, he came down back to the ground about eight hours later. He was surrounded by police officers. And a reporter asked him the question, why did you do it? And he quotes and he says this. He says, because I can't just sit around and do nothing. I've got to do something. 
I, I just thought to myself, when, when as us as Christians, we can't get that thought process where we just sit here and we're comfortable and we're having just a good old time. No, God's called us to hold the ladder. Some mama's counting on us. Some little boy's counting on us. Some dad's counting on us. Some grandma's counting on us. Someone's counting on us to hold the ladder. And I'll just tell you something. When you hold the ladder, you get a whole different aerial view of what the kingdom of God is all about. You see it a little bit differently than everybody else sees it. You get to see really the scope of humanity and what God wants for us. God wants us to serve. God wants us to get involved. God wants us to be a part. You know, the purpose of this podium is to stand behind and to present. The purpose of this podium is to hold maybe a Bible or notes. The purpose of this uh, it, it has purpose. It has reason. What is the purpose of a Christian? The purpose of a Christian is to make a difference. The purpose of a Christian is to use his life to glorify God. The purpose of a, di- a Christian is to, is to expand the kingdom of God, is to grow the local body, is to encourage one another, to build each other up. The purpose of a Christian is not just to sit back and get comfortable and get complacent and get satisfied. No, the purpose of a Christian is to make something happen. It's to change the world around them. That's why it says, that's why it says in the Bible, it says, man, if I'm gonna live for God, I'm gonna live for God. I'm gonna give God everything. I'm gonna completely give him my life. I'm not going to give God half-hearted service. You know, I met a guy one time. He was a professional gun collector, and this guy had nice guns. And, I mean, he had all kinds of of beautiful guns, and he had over 2,000 guns. And some of the guns were very expensive. And I'm talking really nice. And he was a professional gun collector. And I met him. And I asked him this question one time. I said, sir, would you ever shoot any of these guns? And he pointed to about a handful. He goes, these guns right here, I will never fire those guns. I said, not even an emergency? He goes, no, not even an emergency. Once I fire them, it lowers the value. And then I thought to myself as I'm leaving that place, I'm thinking, if someone's trying to break in, I'm using whatever I got to use. And that's what I thought to myself. Again, I'd probably pray for him first, but here's the deal. Uh, let me say focus. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. There's a difference between a gun collector and a soldier. There's a big difference. See, a gun collector... He's collecting, he's organizing, he's cleaning, he's decorating his, his trophy case with him. But a soldier is a soldier's ready for battle. A soldier's saying, hey, I've got my military uh, background, I've got my weapons, I want to be used in God's army. And I, and I think sometimes we, we become c- collectors and we don't become like the soldiers that God really wanted us to come in. I, I don't know if you know this, but there is a battle for people's souls. And I know you know this, and, and I, hope that, I hope this is encouraging, I hope this is not like hard, that's not my heart of, of the message. The message is that we would really grasp the time that we've been given. We've been given 80 years, the average person on this planet's been given 80 years in America. The average person lives to be 80. And that's very short. That's very short. I'm 42, and I thought, if I live to be 80, I've got 38 years left. And I've got to use those 38 years to win some more teenagers to God. I've got to use those 38 years to grab some more young adults that are on their way to a place called hell and pull them out of that. I've got to use my time wisely because Benjamin Franklin said, if you love life, then don't squander time because time is what life is made of. And so therefore, I've got to go ahead and grasp the whole of life. I've got to seize every opportunity I can to make a difference in God's kingdom. And so what, what I'm trying to say is in 80 years, they put all the numbers together. If you sleep eight hours a day for 80 years, it ends up to being about 24 years of your life you'll sleep. 
24 years of your life out of 80, you'll sleep. And then if you think about some other things that you do, watching TV, that equates to 15 years. And if you think about some other things like shopping, that equates to eight years. And then eating, that equates to six years. Me, probably 12. But But then you think about social media, it's three years. And the three years on social media, and they say that number is actually getting higher. The average teenager spends seven hours a day on their phone, on their device, seven hours a day. And, and then, then going to church, we only spend a half of one year out of 80 years. And the Bible makes it very clear, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish and prosper. That's why going to church is a big deal. Saul said to David, or David said to Saul, why have you forsaken the house of God? We miss you this morning. Did you know that every single time you're here, it's a big deal? The the Bible says that heaven keeps a record of it. You know why when you show up, you know what you're doing? You're participating in the body of believers. You're a ladder holder. You're saying, I'm going to show up and do my part. I'm going to worship God corporately. I'm going to go ahead and serve somewhere. I'm going to be a blessing in someone's life. And you, you might not think this is a big deal, but I'm telling you something. Jesus came and Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he says, I came to seek and to save which was lost. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said, I came to be a servant, not to be served, to give my life a ransom for many. Well, what did Paul say? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, he said that I came to serve that I might win the more. That I might win the more. Serving is where it's at. That's how you become successful in the game called life. When you give your life away, you're actually receiving life at a higher level. When you give it for a bigger cause, great things happen in your life. They did a study. People with anxiety and stress and depression, now the counselors are encouraging them to serve. Because it helps fight anxiety, depression, and stress because they said when you give your life away, you're actually being healed on the inside. And so it's amazing to me, it's amazing to me that God has given us purpose and sometimes we don't realize the purpose that we've been given. We have called to make a difference. It's like the story in Acts chapter 9. It's the story of Saul having an encounter with God on the way from Jerusalem to Damascus. It's about a 17-mile hike downgrade. And from Damascus to Jerusalem, it's about a 17-mile hike upgrade. And here's Saul, who's hating Christians at this time in his life. He's mad at the church, and he gets this letter from the chief priest to go into Damascus to arrest Christians and to bring them back to Jerusalem and to persecute them and lock them up and, and possibly put them to death. So here he's on his way to Damascus with a group of men, and he has an encounter with God. And all of a sudden, boom, Jesus shows up and says, hey, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What have I done to you? I love you. You're my son. And all of a sudden he has this encounter. This transformational thing takes place. And immediately he goes into Damascus and he starts preaching the gospel. Verse 20. He starts preaching the gospel to them. And they were confused. They were like, man, isn't this a guy that was supposed to be here to put some Christians in chains and take them back to Jerusalem? Why is this guy preaching? You know what I thought about that in verse 20? It said immediately he began to preach the gospel. Did you know that he just got radically saved? He got transformed form and immediately he preached the gospel. I'm so grateful that you ain't got to wait 20 years to serve in God's house. I'm so grateful you ain't got to have everything all in order to serve God's house. You can just jump in and immediately he jumped in. To make a long story short, some of the Jewish community was upset with him and they plotted to kill his life. In verse 25 it says that a group of believers, disciples, they came together and they put him in a large basket and they put him over 
a wall, put them over the wall of Damascus. Now, if you want to do some history on that, there's, the walls were anywhere from 50 to 70 foot tall back then. And uh, depending on what side of the, 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 the city, what side it was, depending on the height it was. And so 50 to 70 foot tall, they put this guy in a basket, Saul. These disciples put him over the, over the side of the wall and they lowered him down. In one essence, these guys were ladder holders. They were holding the ladder for this man named Saul, who would later become Paul, who would later write 14 books out of the 27 books in the New Testament, who would write almost half of the New Testament. They had no idea the ladder they were holding. They had no idea who was at the end of that ladder. They had no idea that that man named Saul, who later became Paul, would be used by God in such a way that even now, today, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Paul, a Saul's trans. Uh, a transformation who became Paul. We're still talking about him. And it's amazing to me. I think sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget what's at stake. Sometimes we forget what's at the end of this deal. It's like my wife. I mean, I, I love my wife. We've been married 18 years and I'm so grateful. She's my little chicken McNugget. I'm her Big Mac. And, and that's just kind of, that's just kind of our little thing. But I'm, I'm just telling you something. And it's so amazing. Because my whole childhood life, growing up in a charismatic like I'm talking full Pentecostal, Jesus, every service, camp meeting, and then from camp meeting to church clean day, from church clean day to church clean day number two, it was just in the prayer meeting, it just went on. And, and, I, and I remember as a kid hearing all these preachers, and man, they would have the, they would have the handkerchief, uh, and they would be, you know, waving it, and they would be like, you got to do more for God. You got to get on fire for God. Don't give up on God. He didn't get, I mean, I remember that, that that's, that's in my blood. And I remember as a kid, like, oh, okay, man, I got to do something. Like, I can't just, I, I got to go do, and I remember taking my Bible to school, and I remember carrying my Bible to school, and I'm, and, and I'm just telling you something, this is, this is not even popular now, but back in the 80s, it was a little kind of popular, it was kind of cool, but now it's like, you know, you don't do that. And so I had my Bible. And they would just say, hey, man, you a Jesus freak? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a Jesus freak. <laughs> you know, and I got my Bible on the side. And then I would get persecuted a little bit. And, and I would be made fun of. And, and this is in middle school. And all of a sudden, I take that Bible that was on the outside of my math book and my science book. And I would begin to slip that Bible in because I allow the, 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 the peer group to kind of put that on me. But, you know, I'm thanking God this morning. I'm thanking God that 32 years later, I'm still on fire for God. I'm still passionate about God. I still love God. I'm still holding the ladder. I, I thank God that, man, that even though I heard that when I kid and I thought it was kind of crazy, but I'm still grateful I got that in the inside of me. My point was, my wife, a few weeks ago, my phone goes off all the night. I mean, teenagers call me. I give my number. Probably shouldn't do this all the time, but I give my number to a lot of teenagers and Pastor Jay, pray for me. Mom's getting on me right now. I can't take it. I'm leaving. I need, you know. And just know, Mom and Dad, my heart is, I always encourage them to obey their parents because Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, obey your parents for this is right in the Lord and it does come with a promise that you'll live long. And so the teenagers can call me and I'm trying to calm down. It, it, it's, it's, it, it happens all the time. And, and my wife, and she's so sweet, and she's, she's, she, she's laying there, and she's like, where are you going? I got to go help somebody. It's 1.30 in the morning. I know. I just got a phone call. You don't have to do it every single time. I said, no, baby. I got to go. And, you know, she said some words that, no, I'm just playing. No, so, so, no, I just, I, I'm just playing with you. I was going to. So, 
So I get dressed, and I get dressed, and I'm thinking to myself, why am I doing this? And I can hear my wife's words, don't do it, don't do it. And I'm over here, and, and, and honestly, in the, it happened about a month ago where I drove around three and a half hours at night looking for a teenager that ran away from home, and I'm out. It's 1.30 in the morning, and I'm driving around. My wife's texting me, come home. <laughs> I'm like, I will. I got to find him. I'm driving all over the city. I'm texting student leaders. Hey, where's he at? Where's he? And the whole time, I'm praying. I'm like, God, I'm thankful that someone held the ladder for me. I'm thankful that someone had some wisdom to believe. And I know that story doesn't, I know you might not identify with that, but when you have a love for this generation, you're going to do whatever it takes because the devil's lying to this generation and trying to take them out. I'm telling you something, Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says that there was a generation that grew up that did not know the wondrous works of God. Not on my watch, not on Elevate Life's church watch. There's a group of men and women in this church. We have a senior pastors, Pastor Keith and Pastor Sheila, that are going to fight for this generation, that are going to equip this generation, that are going to stand with this generation. And I remember... Drive around, and about 2 o'clock in the morning, I found this young man, and, you know, and, and I, I'm telling on myself, or forgive me, Pastor, I'm, I'm pretty hot at this time. Like, I've been up for a while, and I'm pretty upset, and I'm pretty fired up, and I got in that truck, and I said, boy, get your tail in the truck now. And he just kind of went, <laughs> and I was really fired up, and I got him in the car. I said, what is wrong with you? Your mama is sick. She's crying. Your dad is upset. Where have you? I just ran away from home. I can't take it. I said, get a hold of yourself. And I began to pray for him. And, man, he began to break, and we just began to cry. I mean, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and we're, it, we're, we're, we're behind a high school here locally where he was hiding out at, and I'm just crying. He's crying. I said, I got to get you home. No, Pastor, I can't. No, we're going home. So I drive him home, and there, Mom and Dad were not looking too happy either. <laughs> I wouldn't be happy either, okay? So, and, but, but, but my whole point was, I am thank God that when I was a little boy, that someone was at the end of that ladder for me, encouraging me. I thank God that I have a pastor that encourages me. I thank God that every once in a while he'll pick up that phone, and, he's, and I know it's led by God. Hey, Geronimo, what you doing? I'm thinking about you. You know how much that means to me? Because all my life I've looked for someone to believe in me. All my life, I've looked for someone to rally behind me. And that's what it is. I'm rallying behind somebody else. Somebody's rallying behind them. And somebody's rallying behind them. And someone's rallying behind them. And somebody's rallying behind them. And it takes a chain effect. And next thing you know, the waters are not no longer just still. But now there's waves. And now there's giant waves. And now the, 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 the shore is filled. What I'm trying to say is God is looking for us to be ladder holders. One day, we're all going to stand before the king. And it's not going to be kind of what clothes we had, you know, what kind of car we drive. That's some nice stuff, and I believe in all that, but it's not going to be, that's not going to be the list that we're going to give to God. One day we're going to stand before God, and God's going to present us with what he calls in his word the crown of life. And every single person that has opened up their heart and given their life to Jesus will receive the crown of life. And I, when I was a kid, we were taught that if you led someone to the Lord, they'd put a jewel on your crown. And I can't find that in the Bible, but the Bible does talk about that God is a rewarder of those that seek him and put him first, that God will bless you and he will, he will take care of you. But I, I can imagine this, though, that when I stand before God, I've got one life. I've got one opportunity. So in my thought process, going even to next year, I'm not going to hold anything back for 2018. 
I'm going to be a better husband, a better father, a better pastor, a better leader, a better man. I'm not going to hold anything back because I have one life to give, one opportunity to make a difference. And I'm going to stand before God and God's going to present me with the crown of life. And it's not going to be based on my good works because the Bible says our good works are as filthy rags. But it's going to be based on my obedience to living for him. My obedience. Did I obey his word? Did I love my neighbor as I love myself? Did I, did I rally? I love the house rules. Did I believe the best even when the worst is displayed? Did I tell people when I made a mistake that I was sorry? I, I love that. Did I, did I, did I, was I genuine in my soul when I talked to people, when I prayed with them? I'm just telling you something. Jesus is not a job. Serving him, living for him is not a job. But it's the highest calling that we have as Christians to give our life away, to, to give it to him, to give him everything that we have. And being a ladder holder is not supposed to be looked down on. It's supposed to be celebrated. Because every single one of you that are in this auditorium this morning, you are considered a ladder holder in God's kingdom. You're help expanding the vision that Elevate Life Church has. When we go to McKinney, you're a ladder holder. When you give it an offering, you're a ladder holder. When you serve in the nursery, you're a ladder holder. When you serve in the freezing outside parking lot and you're believing God that people's lives are going to be changed. You're a ladder holder. You might not see who's on the end of the ladder, but you're holding the ladder for God's kingdom. It reminds me of this last thought. The last thought is there was a man who got caught in a blizzard up in Canada. And this blizzard just hit very fast and rapidly and all of a sudden he he kept driving and tried to get out of it, but the, the more he drove, the, the deeper he got into it, the harder the storm, and all of a sudden he runs out of gas. And he thought to himself, I'm just going to get out and I'm going to start walking. And he gets out of the car and he just starts walking down the road. He could barely see his hand in front of his face. The snow is coming down so fast, literally inches upon inches, feet upon feet. And all of a sudden he falls to the ground about four hours later of walking. And he trips and he falls on the ground and he thought to himself, well, I'll just lay here for a moment. I'll just lay and get some rest and close my eyes and I'll get back up and I'll try to keep going. And he was exhausted. He turned around to kind of see what he walked over, uh, tripped over and he brushed off the snow and he saw another guy. And then he looked into the bank of, uh, uh, on the next to the road, the big ditch, and he saw some very dim flashing lights. The car was almost covered completely. The man had went off the road and hit a tree and got out and tried to walk. And the man was barely alive. He, in a superhuman effort, he picked up the man. He got this, 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 this bolt of energy and he picked him up and he began to walk through the snow just a few more, uh, uh, a few more hundred yards. And all of a sudden around the bend, he saw this house. There was some lights on. He could barely see the lights. And all of a sudden he walks in, he knocks on the door, and he was saved. He saved that man. But the story says that in saving the man that he found, it saved his very life. In saving someone else, his life was saved. Did you know that when you serve somebody else, your life is being saved on the inside? Things are happening on the inside. The last thought is in Exodus chapter 17, verses 6 to 18, the story of Moses. When they're trying to get to the promised land, they face this army. The Amalekites... If I said that right, and Moses says to Joshua, hey, go, take some men and fight the army. I'll stand on top of the mountain and I'll hold up my staff, which means God's power and presence, and we're going to win this battle. So Moses goes to the top of the mountain 
Aaron and her follow him. These are two guys that are in leadership in Israel. Aaron being Moses' brother, her being one of the leaders of Israel. And they get to the top and Moses is holding up the staff. Can you just picture this? He's holding up the staff and the Israelites and Joshua's at the front and they're, man, they're beating the army. They're taking ground. And then all of a sudden, Moses lowers the staff. And then as he lowers the staff, the army is getting taken over. All of a sudden, Aaron sees that, her sees that. They pull a stone over, the Bible says, they sit Moses down. And they say, Moses, you got this. He holds the staff up. The army advances. He's getting tired. The staff comes down. The army is losing. Aaron notices it. Her notices it. You know, the guy named Her, H-U-R, he's only mentioned twice in the Bible. Twice. He grabs the left side of Moses' arm. Aaron grabs the right side of Moses' arm. And the Bible says that they held their arms up for the entire day until the sun set, until the battle was finally won. I know Aaron's mentioned a lot, but this guy named Her, H-U-R, is only mentioned twice. But he had a major role in that battle. He wasn't the main guy. He wasn't the guy holding the staff up, but he had a major role in the battle. He had a part to play. Without him and without Moses' arms being lifted, the battle would not have been won. But because Moses held his arms up with these two guys that were supporting him, the battle was won. What I'm trying to say is, it was a big deal. Even though his name is only mentioned twice in the Bible, it was a big deal. He was holding on to the ladder in that moment of his life. And he was making his life count that very moment. I think sometimes we miss things because we don't think they're significant. No, by you serving, by you participating, by you showing up, by you giving, by your heart being here and joining the tribe and being a part of the vision of our senior pastors, what you're doing, it is a big deal. And you've got to see that as a big deal. Because here's the deal, God made you. You are made perfect in his image. According to Psalms 139 verse 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not an accident, you're not a mistake, you're not a mishap, but you have reason to be alive and God wants you to grab a hold of that ladder and play your role in the kingdom. I thought many years of my life, I thought holding the ladder was not a big deal. But holding the ladder is one of the greatest privileges you'll ever have in your life. When you help somebody else succeed, it's one of the greatest privileges. It's my honor. It's my honor to serve this next generation. And I pray that I can serve them as long as I can until a pastor sees it fit or maybe moves me somewhere else to serve. I'm honored. I'm honored to believe God for young people's lives to be changed because the way the enemy is working right now, he's trying to rob this generation and try to pull them down. But I'm grateful for that we have pastors and that we have a church that believes in the now generation. My last thing. I remember when the guy invited me to church. He had no idea that when he invited me to church that I would find Christ that night. 
my life would be changed. I would go home and tell my brother. My brother's life would be changed. My mom, her life would be changed. And then a year later, my dad's life would be changed. And then my aunt's life, my uncle, my two cousins, and in my extended life, my extended family, their lives would all be changed. The man had no idea when he picked up the little boy and took him to church. He had no idea that what he was bringing him to was a show. But in essence, the man, the little boy, the young man found salvation. And I thought to myself, does he realize what he's done? Because he brought me. I brought my brother, which we brought our mother, which my mom brought my dad. And my dad brought his sister, his brother, my cousins, my aunts, and now my family. And I come from a family where it's a little dysfunctional. One of my family members just got out of prison. And another one is being sent off. And Another one is just getting ready to get out. It's kind of crazy. And I'm thinking, here I am, 42 years old. And I'm standing on a stage in one of the most beautiful places in all of America. At Elevate Life Church, underneath some of the greatest people ever I've ever met with my life. And God has found it fit that I would be here. But it all started 32 years ago from a guy holding on to the ladder for me. That's where it started. Don't mistake. Don't mistake helping somebody else. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.